Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When it comes to personal style, it's not just about a signature look. You can build your style piece by piece. With new colors, fabrics, and styles, it's the perfect time to add new layers with Indochino. From classic suits to stylish outerwear, get made-to-measure quality at an off-the-rack price. Add fresh layers to your fall style with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code PODCAST to get 10% off any purchase, $3.99 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino.com, code PODCAST. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. It is great to have you in on this Thursday evening. We have got an absolutely packed show. We've got a lot of NBA. Actually, let me, let me rephrase that. we got a lot of Brooklyn Nets to talk about. Steve Nash fired the Kyrie Irving controversy. I should say another Kyrie Irving controversy. What's new? i also discuss Bengals-Browns and the absolute spanking that the defending AFC champions took at the hands of their division rival, Cleveland Browns. Joe Burrow still winless against the Browns. Uh, also going to discuss the Dallas Cowboys just once again <laughs> refusing to make any deals with the deadline. I'm not shocked. Said on Monday they weren't going to make any deals, even despite the fact that Jerry said that they would. But what's new in, in that regard as well? This, we should call this the What's New Show. With Kyrie Irving controversies and the Cowboys not being aggressive, Joe Burrow not beating the Browns. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. Uh, and at the end of the show, of course, I will predict tonight's matchup between two teams whose cities are in the World Series, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Houston Texans. Uh, I preview, I do not think that tonight's game will end up like I think the World Series will. But if you guys didn't see my World Series prediction, then, uh, well, you, you guys probably have a, a decent guess for, for where I'm going there. But first, Steve Nash was fired on Tuesday afternoon. Or I should say, according to Sham Sharania, he and the Nets agreed to part ways. Now, a lot of people, the media seem to be making it like, oh, you know, Steve Nash uh, and, and the Nets, they agreed. Hey, you know, we're going to fire you. Steve Nash agrees. Yeah, okay, I agree. You should fire me. That's not how the situation went. Um, I, I think, given what I know about that situation, given some of the reports that's come out since this summer about Steve Nash, his dynamic with Kyrie Irving, especially with Ben Simmons, with really the entire organization as a whole. This seems like something that Steve Nash went to the front office and essentially resigned. That's what it seems like this is. Because we know about the, the issues this offseason with Steve Nash. There was an incident when it was either August or September when he had the whole team over to his house. Had the whole team over to his house. And uh, basically, it's like a team bonding experience. And Kyrie Irving reportedly disrespected Steve Nash in front of the whole team. Now, this doesn't seem new. Other reports from other reporters in Brooklyn talk about, you think the games were bad. Be around shoot-around. Be around practice. They said it was a circus with this guy. Now, it's not that surprising, you know, considering the fact that, that just two years ago, uh, days, I'm sorry, a month after Steve Nash was hired to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets in September of 2020, Kyrie Irving said, quote, I don't really see us having a head coach. You know what I mean? KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. It's a collaborative effort. Okay. Um, so, with, with, with despite the fact that Steve Nash, I don't think, is a very good head coach, which two things could be true. Steve Nash isn't a good head coach, and as Steve Kerr pointed out the other day, no coach could work in that environment, considering all the drama, considering the, the, uh, the fight for power between Kevin, Kyrie, uh, Joe Sy, the owner, uh, Sean Marks, the general manager. 
And it, it felt like Steve Nash, the head coach, after all, was like fifth or sixth fiddle. I mean, for a while, it was James Harden had more power than Steve Nash until he was traded to Philadelphia. But am I surprised by this? No, of course I'm not. Not in the slightest. Am I surprised by the fact that the Nets have gotten off to a pretty darn slow start? Not surprised by that either. Because when you look at the last few years, how this team was constructed, and I've always said this, two things. Number one, can Kevin Durant be the best player in a championship team? Absolutely. I saw him do it in 2017 with my Golden State Wars. I thought Steph was better in 2018, but that's another discussion for another day. But I've seen Kevin do it before. So that's not the issue. Have I seen Kevin lead a team to a championship? I have not. On the other hand, Kyrie Irving. I've always asked this question on my show for years. What is Kyrie Irving without LeBron James in his career? Take away the three straight finals appearances. Take away, which I've always given Kyrie credit for this, one of the most clutch shots in the history of basketball. Game seven of the finals, 2016. Score tied 89-89. One minute left. He hits a step back three on Steph Curry. Essentially the game-winning shot. Always giving him credit for that. And they made the finals again in 2017. What's Kyrie Irving without LeBron James? Because the first three years of his career, the Cavs sucked all three. Didn't even sniff the playoffs. Kyrie was great, but it was that was about it. But then LeBron James shows up. They make the trade for Kevin Love. All of a sudden, they're in the NBA Finals three straight years. So he's traded to Boston. And in 2018, March of 2018, he suffers a season-ending injury. They're like, oh, man, the Celtics had, they had a Kyrie, and, man, they were so close. They could have made a run to the Finals. Oh, crap, they almost did. Game seven against Cleveland. Nip and tuck game until LeBron James goes berserk in the last three minutes. And Jeff Green has a big game seven to eliminate the Celtics. But the baby Celtics led by a 20-year-old, Jason Tatum. Led by Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown. Al Horford, Marcus Smart. They almost take down LeBron without Kyrie Irving. Kyrie returns the following season. We're like, man, if they almost made it without him, imagine what they're going to do with him. Yeah, what they did with him? Get gentlemen swept in the second round, and it wasn't even close by Milwaukee. Kyrie leaves to go to Brooklyn. Okay? Plays about 19, 20 games. The Nets actually had a better winning percentage without him than with him. Got to the playoffs regardless of the fact that he barely played that season. Okay? You look at uh, 2021, or 2020 through 21. What does Kyrie Irving do? What he always does. Some sort of controversy. Steps away from the team, doesn't tell anybody, just disappears until, uh, until a reporter actually found him at a, at a strip club. But be that as it may, two weeks off, doesn't tell anybody, just disappears. I've criticized Aaron Rodgers for that. At least Aaron Rodgers does that in the offseason. Doesn't do it in week 10, 11. Kyrie Irving did. And then last year, we all know about the vaccine controversy which completely derailed any hopes the Brooklyn Nets had of winning a championship. And now this year, which I'll get to Kyrie later, the anti-Semitic promotion of the Amazon film, as well as the promotion of an Alex Jones conspiracy theory, this is what Steve Nash was dealing with, folks. He's also dealing with a third star, a former All-Star, who is terrified to shoot who's never been a shooter, good at everything else, can rebound, can pass, can run your offense as a 6'11 point guard, is a tremendous... I picked Ben Simmons this year, despite all the issues I have with him, to be the defensive player of the year. Because frankly, I thought he should have won it a couple of years ago over one of my least favorite players in the NBA, Rudy Gobert, but I thought he was the best defensive player in the league that season. And I figured, hey, he's not going to be asked to be a scorer. It's going to be Kevin, Kyrie, that's their job. They got shooters with Joe Harris and Patty Mills and Seth Curry. Ben Simmons has one role, okay? Be efficient, run our offense, and lock up the best player defensively. And he's out here air, airballing layups. Again, I want to reiterate, this is what Steve Nash was dealing with. And so, sort of the irony of this is that the head coach, the Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant wanted, well, he's gone now. And in comes, at least according to reports, 
Ime Odoka. We all know about the controversy in Boston. Suspended for a year. Reportedly in a relationship with a female staffer. Not sure how that's going to get sorted out with, with Brooklyn. How they're going to, you know, the organization's going to earn his trust. Be that, put that aside. Strictly basketball. I am curious to see how this works. Because what do we know about Ime Odoka as a head coach? No BS. As a matter of fact, kind of, I would argue because the fact that it was a young team in Boston last season, still relatively young. Jason Tatum's 24, 5. Jalen Brown, about that same age. I think Ime Odoka coming in to replace Brad Stevens, I think it was a little bit of a culture shock for the Boston Celtics, and that's why they got off to a pretty bad start last season. But once New Year's hit, Boom, they got in a roll and came within two games of winning the NBA championship, but fell short against my Warriors. Now he's coming to Brooklyn <laughs> with Kyrie and Simmons, and we all know KD can be difficult. He was difficult with Steve Kerr. How's it going to work with Ime Odoka? I can't wait to see this. I think it's going to be a disaster. Honest to God, I swear I do. Because the dynamic between... Those stars, I'm not even going to call Simmons a star. Katie and Kyrie and Udoka for a team that is allergic to playing defense. Oh man, I can't wait to see this. This is this is going to be this is going to be just beautiful. And so, was I shocked that Steve Nash was essentially let go by Brooklyn? No, for a couple reasons. A, he's not a very good head coach. If you watch the Nets' offense under Steve Nash. It's basically give the ball to number seven or give the ball to number 11 and get out of the way. Uh, let them make stuff happen, which that's fine if they're on a roll. If they've hit two, three straight shots, it's like, okay, get out of the best player's way. Let them go to work. But every single play, they don't run anything. Golden State runs plays, obviously, as, as, as smoothly as anybody in the NBA. Boston runs plays. Cleveland under J.B. Bickerstaff. They run plays. What a game last night, by the way, between the Cavs and the Celtics, right? The Grizzlies run plays. Heck, Portland runs plays. Everybody runs plays. Brooklyn really doesn't. It's basically Kevin or Kyrie save us. That's, that's, no, way to, that's no way to put yourself in the championship conversation at all. So two things can be true. A, he's not a very good head coach. And B, there's only so much more of this he could take. And frankly, I can't say I blame him. So this is going to be a really interesting dynamic going forward for the for the Brooklyn Nets with, with Ime Odoka. But it, it's something, I was kind of disappointed in Kevin Durant in this regard because he was doing a press conference after the Nets lost the other night and they asked him about Steve Nash. Guy didn't even see that disappointed. He didn't. He said, yeah, I just woke up after a nap and saw we fired him. And, and they said, well, were you shocked? Did it, was it like kind of, how did you feel? They said, well, it's the business of the NBA. What? Look, I get KD was trying to get Steve Nash fired this offseason. It was he basically said it's either Nash or me. Remember the trade request that, during the summer? But, geez. Can't, can't even show at least a little bit of, I feel bad he got fired. I, I just a little bit? No. Because that's the dynamic in Brooklyn. This was doomed. To, this was doomed from the beginning. Everybody was all mesmerized with the town. Oh my God! It's Katie and Kyrie teaming up. Like, have, have any of the have, has Kyrie proving proven anything aside from LeBron James? And has KD proven that he can lead a team to a championship? Answer to both questions are no. I can't wait to see how this plays out with Udoka, though. That it is going to be it is going to be chaos, and I'm all here for it. But I'll tell you though. When you look at Brooklyn, compared to the rest of the NBA, it ain't even close. I mean, you look at Boston looks great with, is it Joe Mazzula? Is that their new head coach? I think that's his name. Who's done a tremendous job. Seems like they haven't really missed a beat without Ime Odoka. We'll see if that continues to play out throughout the season. It is only November 3rd. We got a long season to go. You've got uh, Cleveland looks great, which I picked Cleveland to be my three seed this year. But Darius Garland and, it, you know, he, he came back last night at, from injury, looked excellent. Karis LeVert's out here dropping 40 burgers. So is Donovan Mitchell. I mean, it's got a, 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 a crap, what's his name? Um, Evan Mobley 
Ball, I'm telling you, this is why I picked J.B. Bickerstaff to be my coach of the year. I mean, I think Cleveland, and I don't like saying this because I don't like Cleveland. Never, I don't like Cleveland sports. Don't like the Guardians, the Browns, the the Cavs, especially the Cavs. Any of them. But I got to give credit where it's due. They look good. Like they look, they look really good. And so expect the Cavs to continue to make this big jump this season. Uh, whereas my Warriors, good night. Off to a three and five star. I'm not gonna panic because it is the Warriors after all. We are four-time NBA champions of the last eight years, but sheesh. It's like it's like they're it's just like I was talking about the Nets. It's like they're the Warriors are allergic to defense. It's hard to watch. But uh let me get a drink of water for this one because I'm gonna need it for this segment. Kyrie Irving, basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets, 12th year in the NBA. Phenomenal talent. We want to get that out of the way first. Phenomenal talent. But he's in trouble again. Are we surprised? So, weeks ago, Kyrie Irving was on his social media platforms talking about an Alex Jones Conspiracy theory from the 90s about some sort of secret society, which, by the way, folks, has been debunked numerous times. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That aside. So he promotes an Alex Jones conspiracy theory. I I don't want to get too far into that, um, frankly, disgusting human being. Too much today. And then the other day, he promotes an anti-Semitic film. People are like, well, why is it why is it anti-Semitic? It's a good question. It, it listen, we, we should all ask questions about this stuff. You look at this uh, 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 movie, which is by the way based off of a book. It's a 2018 film directed by uh, Ronald Dalton Jr. Uh, it, it's it's called uh, 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 Hebrews to Negroes. That's what the book is called. It, the 2018 film is based upon a 2015 book of the same name. And a description for the film states that it, quote, uncovers the true identity of the children of Israel, while a similar one for the book reads, quote, since the European and Arab slave traders stepped foot into Africa, blacks have been told lies about their heritage. Both suggest Hebrews to Negroes espouse ideas in line with the more extreme factions of the black Hebrew Israelites, which have a long history of misogyny, homophobia, xenophobia, Islamophobia, and especially anti-Semitism. Uh, let's see. Yeah, this says... Uh, At one point in the purported documentary Irving shared, Dalton, who also narrates the film, brings up, quote, the real truth about the slave trades. He claims that when teaching slavery, schools don't mention the involvement of the Catholic Church, Arab, East African, or Islamic slave traders, or the Jewish slave ships that brought our West African Negro uh, or Bantu ancestors to slave ports owned by Jews. Also, it has a quote by none other, a false quote, by the way, but albeit a quote by one Adolf Hitler. And it was Kyrie Irving who put this film on his uh, IG stories. I don't know if he posted on his Twitter. I didn't check his Twitter, but it was on his his Instagram stories the other day. And he got into this like big back and forth argument with Nick Friedell, who's an NBA reporter, does a great job going back and forth. And Nick Friedell said, you know, why are you promoting this? You can look this clip up on YouTube, folks. Nick Friedell's like, why are you promoting this? And Kyrie's like, I'm not promoting anything. I'm just sharing it on, on social media. He said, yeah, but you have a big platform, Kyrie. So you putting something this controversial on social media with all the millions of followers you have, sounds like you're promoting it. He's like, no, you're just trying to create some false narrative about me. It's like, dude, that's, that is exactly what you're doing. And so, first of all, I, I want to, before I can get to Kyrie specifically, I have always said that I think Adam Silver is the best commissioner in sports. I, I, I'm, I like Goodell more than most, and I think I like everybody else 
do not like Rob Manfred. Adam Silver, to me, in terms of growing the NBA worldwide, in terms of growing the league, in terms of the player empowerment, in terms of some of the changes he's made. By the way, one of the newer changes he's made, play-in tournament. I think it's great. We all love the play-in tournament. Two years in. Adam Silver dropped the ball on this one. Big time. Because Kyrie Irving uh, promotes these anti-Semitic beliefs. By the way, similar to, to that of, uh, of, of Kanye West. They can go as strong as Kanye, but along the same lines. Adam Silver, as Charles Barkley so eloquently pointed out on Inside the NBA the other day, himself is Jewish. How Kyrie Irving did not get suspended is un unknown to me. Because if we are going to stand for all types of hate, we've got to include anti-Semitism in there, whether it be racism or uh, uh, xenophobia, homophobia, all of it. If we are criticizing one's religion, which, by the way, Kyrie Irving is, it's unacceptable. Any way, shape, or form. I'm not Jewish. But as, um, as Ben Franklin once pointed out, over 250 years ago, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as, are as outraged as those who are affected. How Kyrie Irving was not suspended for this is unbelievable to me. I mean, even fine. If you don't want to suspend it, okay, fine him. You just fine Anthony Edwards this summer for using a homophobic slur. Got no problem with it. He should have been fined. But why not Kyrie? Is it because he's the vice president of the Players Association? Which, by the way, <laughs> players, this is your vice president? C.J. McCollum, I believe, is the president of the Players Association. Does a tremendous job. C.J. McCollum is a is is tremendous. He's excellent. And this is who they vote as VP. But that aside, it's a Kyrie specifically. It's Kyrie specifically. I want to start with his um, with the Alex Jones situation with the Alex Jones conspiracy. And he was talking about, I don't stand with what Alex Jones said in regards to the, the trial that he just had with the Sandy Hook families and this and that. Well, <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Kyrie, but when you are promoting the belief, even if it's just one, of a highly, highly controversial figure, which Alex Jones is, not just, heck, controversial is not even scratching the surface of this idiot. That's what he is. He's an idiot. He's a loser. He's a loser. He's crazy. But when you if you promote even one belief, that would be like if, if I went on social media and I, sort of similar to what Kyrie did, but if I put one of Hitler's writings on social media, um, well, that's kind of promoting Hitler, guys. I, I hate to break it to you, but that's, if you promote one thing from a controversial figure, that implies that you promote everything that they believe. And when it's a figure like an Alex Jones, and Kyrie, by the way, doubled down on it. He was talking about Alex Jones in the 90s, was talking about secret societies. And by the way, he was correct. These are Kyrie's own words, not mine. This guy doesn't get it. And now, the anti-Semitic movie, which again, I mentioned, did include a quote, a false, a falsely attributed quote, but albeit something from, from Adolf Hitler, who was one of the most evil men to ever walk the planet. Not that I need to tell you guys any of that, but uh, guilty of the mass genocide of an unholy amount of Jews. This is disgusting. The Holocaust is one of the, the, the worst events to ever happen in the history of the world. But what bothers me the most about this, it's the same thing that bothers me about the whole Kanye West situation is these are men with very big platforms who have a lot of followers, especially Kanye, but Kyrie has his, has his fan base as well. Kyrie, by the way, in that press conference I mentioned, said himself, I got an army. Now, I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean, but honestly, Kyrie kind of does. Check his social media. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like AB in some ways. Yeah, you right, AB. You, yeah, tell him, Kyrie, you, you, you're sticking up against the, the media and this and that. It's the same same thing, same dynamic. And 
when you have Kanye saying what he said and Kyrie saying what he said, you've got these anti-Semitic posters in Jacksonville outside of the Florida versus Georgia football game on Saturday. When you have Kanye or Kyrie were right about the Jews. You know how dangerous that is? Remember when COVID happened uh, when COVID, when, around like early 2020 when there was a lot of uh, Asian hate crimes because they're saying, oh, you brought COVID over here. Remember that? And it was all these Asian hate crimes because people out there were were spewing the, the, the lie that, hey, these Asian people, totally unrelated to COVID, was the ones who brought the pandemic over here. That's what I'm worried about. We could see the same with this. I pray to God this is not the case. But you can't. You can't. It is impossible to say, I stand against any injustice to any people group whatsoever, which Kyrie has done, by the way. And promote something that is so clearly and so obviously anti-Jew. It is, you cannot say, I am for women's rights, but I'm against black rights. I'm for black rights, but I'm against uh, LGBTQ plus rights. I'm for LGBTQ plus rights, but I'm against the Jewish community. You can't do it. You can't. If you're against injustice, it's got to be everybody. Got to include everybody. And the fact that we live in a society that is so, you have heard it dubbed before, post-truth, we're just anybody. It, it doesn't matter whether it involves politics, religion, uh, you know, just uh, pop culture. It doesn't matter. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some doofus can just go on Twitter, say whatever he or she wants to say, and half, half the people think it's true. A lot of people are, are with Kyrie. On this. Say, hey, you're right, Kyrie, just because Kyrie Irving. They're not thinking for themselves. They're not actually doing the research into history, into what this book and this movie says and misrepresents history. It, I mean, it's, 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 man, it's frustrating. The fact that, that we do live in a society that is so, not just polarized, but so anti-fact. There's nothing in this book that is even remotely true or movie, what, what Kyrie is promoting. And the fact that he's going out here spewing this, despite, you know, saying years ago, the earth is flat. And then the anti-vax stance, which cost his team an opportunity to win a championship. I've always compared him to Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins did not want to get vaccinated against COVID. The San Francisco law said, okay, if you can't, if you don't get back Sega's COVID, you can't play home games. And he was like, don't want to do it. But I want to win a championship. Today, Andrew Wiggins sits with a championship ring. Kyrie's Nets got swept in the first round. The only team in the whole playoffs to not win a single postseason game. So, enough. It's like when, when I heard... I heard a lot of people coming into the season. A lot of people. Credible sources, by the way. Talk about, oh, this is a contract year for Kyrie Irving, right? He's going to be a free agent next year. He's, he's due for possibly a big payday. He is on his best behavior. I said, well, he may be now. But I'll believe it when I see it. You're telling me he's going to be, you know, he, he's going to be Cool for a whole season, 82 games, and then however long the Nets postseason run last should they get there. I have a hard time believing that. It's kind of like the serial cheater. Keeps cheating on his, his woman over and over and over. And then for a while there, he's faithful, he's loyal. Maybe he's good with the kids and whatnot. 
Norma says, he's changed. No, he hasn't. What does his history tell you? What does Kyrie Irving's history tell you? First of all, it tells you he's anti-fact. We can talk about he's anti-Semitic, which clearly, clearly, he is. You don't promote a film like this and then say I'm anti-Semitic. That'd be like, that would be like if if somebody had uh, uh, had promoted the film uh, The Birth of a Nation. I'm pretty sure that's what the movie's called, The Birth of a Nation, which unfortunately one of our former presidents, Woodrow Wilson, over 100 years ago played in the White House, which is obviously extremely racist. Extremely racist. And if someone promoted that film, I'm not racist. Yeah, buddy, you're racist if you're promoting a film like that. Like it's, we, we, we shouldn't even have to question that. Kyrie's anti-Semitic. He's made that very clear. And when you are somebody with the platform that he has, yeah, it's, it's, when, when you're, promote, it's, you're, you're promoting this. You're promoting this. Millions upon millions of people saw that on his social media. He's promoting it. So Kyrie's anti-fact. We knew that. He's anti-Semitic. And he is a cancer to a basketball team. Everywhere he goes. Despite his undeniable talent. I've, I have always said this about Kyrie Irving. He's got the greatest handle of anybody I've ever seen. I, I've never seen in my life a guy who can handle the basketball better than one Kyrie Irving. Never. Yet he makes teams worse. Check his history. In Cleveland, definitely in Boston, and in Brooklyn. And frankly, I'm just going to go and say this. Given his history, he's a bad guy. Saw how he dealt with Steve Nash, how he dealt with his teammates in Boston how even LeBron could not stand him at the end in Cleveland. As well as his off-court stuff, Kyrie's a bad guy. You can't continuously, you know, over and over and over do these things, and we, we're like, ah, oh, you know, he's... Because he's, I've said for years, oh, Kyrie's got a good heart. Nah, I'm off that position. I'm out. Can't stand against injustice if you're not willing to stand against all injustices, anti-Semitism included. I'm sure there's some comments in the comments section. I would love to respond to them. Unfortunately, the show is not live today. I'm doing the show in the morning. So if there's, if there's any breaking news, anything crazy that happened, which the trade deadline just passed on Tuesday, and it was an active trade deadline, which I'm about to talk about the Cowboys in just a second, who were not active. But there's any comments right now, wish I could get to them, wish I could respond to them, uh, but like I said, the show's not live. So if, if there's something major in the world of sports that has happened, as I always say, I am aware of it, just not at the time that you are watching me right now, if that makes any sense. But I don't think that this has got to be the first time. Matter of fact, I'm almost certain that it is. This has got to be the first time in the entire football season that I have not had a football topic until the third segment. But it is only fitting that it involves the Dallas Cowboys. Only fitting that it involves uh, America's team. How about them Cowboys? Yeah! How about them Cowboys who once again did not make a deal at the trade deadline? So, first of all, I called this. I'm not even getting myself a whole lot of credit for calling this because it's kind of obvious because they never do it. But after the Cowboys walloped the Chicago Bears 49-29 to on Sunday afternoon, Jerry Jones in his uh, post-game press conference, as if he were a player or a coach, which all owners do. But Jerry Jones was uh, talking about, they're, they're asked about, you know, hey, the trade deadline is in basically 48 hours. You guys going to be aggressive. You guys going to make any deals? Jerry said, yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to make some deals. We're going to be aggressive. 48 hours later, nothing. This is Jerry is. This is who the Cowboys are. And they tried. It's the, it's the PR. They're trying to cover their butts. Because the report, excuse me, came out. I, I, it might have been from Ed Werder. I don't, not 100% sure on that. But the report came out. They were this close to making a deal for Brandon Cooks, who's the speedster from the Houston Texans. But they were just deterred from the fact that he was going to make $18 million guaranteed next year. Oh, I hate to hear that. Um, this is why I get a kick out of. It's the same reason Cowboys in March, Von Miller was available. 
Two-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, back in Super Bowl 50 with the Denver Broncos, won a Super Bowl with the Rams this past February. He's available on the market, free agent. Said himself, I want to go to Dallas. He's from Texas. Played college football at Texas a and He wanted to go there. Jerry wasn't willing to pay him the money that the Bills were. And what I get a kick out of is that you got a lot of people out there blaming Dak Prescott. Oh, it's because Dak Prescott's got the $49 million cap hit next year. You've seen Josh Allen's cap hit? Stephon Diggs' cap hit? They're going to have to uh, pay Tredavious White if they haven't already. All these different pieces in Buffalo. And they still found the space to go pay Von Miller. In L.A. with the Rams last year. They were paying Stafford, and they were paying Cup, and they were paying Donald, and they were paying Ramsey. So let's go get Bob Miller. That worked. Let's go get OBJ. Let's go get, let's go get Odell. Help us win a Super Bowl. How'd that work? You can manipulate the cap, and it's harder, obviously, in the NFL and the NBA because it's a hard cap. But you can manipulate it in any way you want. You can convert stuff, and you can convert stuff into a signing bonus. You can do whatever you wish with the cap. Apparently, they are completely incapable of doing that in Dallas, Texas. Because one man, Gerald Wayne Jones Jr., for whatever reason, I think I know why. I'll share my theory for it in just a second. But in the last quarter century, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really hasn't made any big splashes in free agency. You know why I think that is? Because we know when you're a man as powerful as Jerry Jones, and he is arguably the second most powerful man in the NFL to Roger Goodell. You could put Bob Kraft in that category, but really the, re the reason the owners listened to Bob Kraft is because his team was winning the Super Bowl every other year. Okay, they won six titles in two decades. They're going to listen to Bob Kraft. Jerry Jones, on the other hand, is strictly business. Right, The Cowboys are the most valuable sports franchise, not just the NFL, but the whole wide world. They're going to listen to him, what he says. And for good reason, by the way. Jerry Jones is, as you know, some, some things Jerry has done is proposed and promote proposed to uh, the owners and the NFL. I'm all for moving a team to Los Angeles. That, that was Jerry's idea. He said, let's move the Rams to Los Angeles. How great's that been? No offense to the great city of St. Louis. It's a great city, but the Rams belong in Los Angeles. Okay, they, they've been to two Super Bowls. They won one. It's, it's totally changed the culture of that franchise and the trajectory of that franchise. Okay, protecting quarterbacks. Now, I think the NFL has gone too far in protecting quarterbacks, but that was Jerry's idea. He's like, man, the quarterbacks are the moneymakers. They are the reason, the biggest reason that eyeballs are glued to the TV every Sunday afternoon. We got to make sure that they're protected. It was Jerry's idea. Give him kudos. I think the NFL has gone too far, but I get the gist of it. But when it comes to building a championship contender, he's completely incapable. Why is that? Because in Jerry's mind, there's one way to do it. The draft. Now, the draft has its value, without a doubt. Okay, I'm not saying that you should just ignore the draft, not you know, not develop any players, because Dallas, by the way, has done a pretty good job of that. Zeke, good pick. Dak, especially in the fourth round, great pick. Micah Parsons, phenomenal pick. Trayvon Diggs, excellent pick. They've done a good job. By the way, years ago, they had the best offensive line in football, all with guys they drafted. So, man, props to the Cowboys, mostly props to Will McClay because he's basically kind of the draft expert, not Jerry or Steven. But, you know, props to the Cowboys for, for developing the, guy, the guys that they have. However, you need to add a piece here or there. You know why I think Jerry won't do that? I've got a theory for why. Because when Jerry's guys succeed, it's different 
than if, say, let's just say the Cowboys, for the sake of argument, brought in Bradley Chubb. By the way, congrats to Bradley Chubb. Got his, got his money today for the Miami Dolphins after getting traded from Denver. But let's say they traded for Bradley Chubb. And Bradley Chubb went out and was impact, as, as, as impactful to the Cowboys' defense as Charles, Haley's, Charles Haley was in the 1990s. It doesn't hold the same weight with Jerry because everybody knew Bradley Chubb was good. We knew he was a great pass rusher. That's why the Dolphins went out and got him and now this morning gave him a big contract. Everybody knows Bradley Chubb's good. Coming in the draft, no, we didn't know if Zeke would pan out. He probably would. He's the fourth pick, but nobody knows for certain with any draft pick. Okay, Micah Parsons. I don't know. He didn't play college football in 2020. It's taking a big risk. Trayvon Diggs, he gets beat deep a lot. Dak Prescott, fourth rounder. We don't know. But when they pan out, Jerry wants to take all the credit. That's my guy. I found him. You say, well, well Bryson, what about Amari Cooper? He, they made the big deal for Amari Cooper back in 2018. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I always point this out to Cowboys fans when they say, uh, oh, Amari saved Dak. Amari is the guy who got Dak his money. Are we sure Dak isn't the guy who got Amari his money as well? Amari Cooper threw six games as an Oakland Raider at the time before he was traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Did not even have 200 yards receiving. That's what Derek Carr is as quarterback. Did not even have 200 yards receiving through the first part of the season. He joins Dak. He has over 1,000. But nobody wanted Amari Cooper. And so the Cowboys said, okay, we'll get him. And when Amari Cooper pans out in Dallas, unlike the way he did in 2018 with the Raiders, Jerry's going to take the credit. That's how it goes. And so when I see that the Cowboys did not make a deal for Brandon Cooks, we know Brandon Cooks is good. We know Brandon Cooks is one of the fastest players in the NFL. And Jerry's not willing to risk that because by trading draft picks to Houston, that would also mean that, hey, that is... Two, probably two draft picks, probably not three, two draft picks, two guys that I'll never get to see pan out and me get the credit for. Jerry's a smart, smart man. Make no mistake about it. Jerry's a very smart businessman. You're, you're not a multi-billionaire if, if, if you're not. He knows exactly what he's doing. Jerry, I believe, does want to win a Super Bowl. Unlike some other owners. Oh, owners. There, there's the plenty of owners in sports where like, they don't care. They're just all, they're, they're in it for the money. They don't want to win. They're not like a Joe Lacob in Golden State or a Steve Ballmer with the Clippers or a, a, um, a Steve Bashotti with the Ravens or Stan Kroenke with the Rams. No, those owners want to win championships. I believe Jerry does want to win a Super Bowl. So long as it's his way. If it's his way, he cool with it. So that's what I just love about this whole situation. The fact that, and I feel bad for Cowboys fans. I, I genuinely, I feel bad for Cowboys fans out there um, who every, every year at the trade deadline and every year in free agency are just waiting, waiting. We got the cap space to do it. We can, we can manipulate the cap a little bit. Rams do it. Ravens do it. Bills do it. Chiefs do it. We can't do it. Why can't we do it? The money, trust me, folks, had zero to do with this. This isn't because Dak Prescott makes $40 million a year or because Jerry didn't want to pay the $18 million for Brandon Cooks. It has to do with the fact, simply, Jerry wants to win with his guys. And if it's not his guys, if it's not homegrown talent, by the way, you said that's kind of an outlandish claim, Bryson, is it? Look at the Cowboys' front office. They're either, either their last names are Jones or they are in some way, shape, or form involved with the Dallas Cowboys in the past. Folks, I've criticized the Lakers for this. I've criticized Jeannie Buss heavily for this. Rob Palenka, Kobe's agent. Phil Jackson, coach the Lakers. Okay, you got, you know, you've got the, the Rambus family involved. It's like you're, 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 you're hiring and you're consulting with bad people, not bad human beings, but bad people in regards to basketball to make your decisions. Why are you doing this? Jerry Jones is doing the same thing, except unlike Jeannie Buss, Jerry Jones is a meddling owner. He does the press conferences after games. He gives the injury reports. Not the team, not Mike McCarthy. He does. He second-guesses coaches during the week, like fans do. There's nothing wrong with the fan doing it. Hey, 
fan has no control. You know, I, I, I got no problem with that. But Jerry also does it. It's always been my issue with him as an owner. Not just the meddling and the constant criticism of his franchise quarterback or even his constant criticism of his head coach. I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan, but could the owner give him just a little vote of confidence? I mean, Mike McCarthy, for all my problems with him, isn't incompetent. He's not Nathaniel Hackett. He's not Brandon Staley. I think he's a below-average head coach. Make no mistake about it. They're like, he's he's clueless in some situations. But more times than not, Dallas Cowboys are ready to go. They, they The issue with the Cowboys oftentimes is situational football and it's penalties. It's not for lack of being prepared. It's not for a lack of a bad game plan. More times than not. And if it is, usually that's Kellen Moore's fault, not Mike McCarthy's. But this is the issue I've always had with Jerry. He refuses to be aggressive in free agency and at the trade deadline, despite having the assets, by the way, and the cap space to be aggressive in both because it's not his guys. He did not discover them, or at least he in his mind didn't. He didn't discover Zeke. He didn't discover Dak or Micah Parsons or Trayvon Diggs. Jerry didn't discover those guys. Will McClay did. The scouting department did. But Jerry's going to take the credit for it. That's so he's a, so he's always been. Not surprised whatsoever. It's who the Cowboys are. It's who Jerry Jones is. Uh, never ceases to amaze me. This is why, folks. I told y'all. Unless the Cowboys get another receiver, a legit receiver, a DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, still holding out hope possibly for Odell Beckham Jr. They're not a Super Bowl contender. Not with C.D. Lamb as your number one. No, it's not gonna work. Um, moving on now to the, the Monday night game, man, Halloween night. Hope everybody had a great Halloween, by the way, stayed safe out there, but we had the two orange teams, which props the NFL for, for scheduling that on Halloween night. He had the Cleveland Browns. He had the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns won that game 32 to 13. And, uh, safe to say it was, a, it was a bad night for the Bengals. It was a bad night for Joe Burrow in particular. Okay, he uh, he did throw a couple touchdown passes, but both were in garbage time. He had a pick, and he had a QBR. QBR 0 to 100 of 17.6. So not a good night for Burrow. Not a good night, by the way, for the Bengals running game as they only ran the ball 10 times, which that's sort of my criticism. That's kind of my my takeaway from that game is, and it feels like it's been the case all season with Zach Taylor, who I was never a big Zach Taylor fan. I gave him his props last year for uh, or his due share for the Bengals getting the Super Bowl. Obviously, Burrow deserved the bulk of the credit dealing with that atrocious offensive line. And the defense, by the way, did a good job of the postseason. But I, was, I gave Zach Taylor's props because I was like, you know what? They're not a heavily penalized team. They don't seem out-schemed by the likes of Andy Reid or Mike Vrabel or even by a Sean McVay in the Super Bowl, right? That, the Super Bowl came down to the last minute. It's not for lack of preparation. It's just I, I don't know if he's he's the right man for the job. I don't know if he's the guy that can help the Bengals go over the top. I don't know what that game plan was. You're like, well, the Browns blew him out, so the, the Bengals couldn't really run the ball. If you watch that game, Cincinnati's defense got a couple turnovers. The score at halftime was 11 to nothing. It was totally in reach for Cincinnati. Without a question. But, and without Jamar Chase, no, nonetheless. So you know your number one receiver's gone. Yes, you have T. Higgins. Yes, you have Tyler Boyd. Yes, you have Hayden Hurst. Rely on Joe Mixon at least a little bit. We know what this guy's capable of. He's, he's a thousand-yard running back every year. Your offensive line, for as bad as it has been in pass protection, it was bad again on Monday night against the likes of Miles Garrett and company. It's pretty good in the run game. Now, it's obviously, anyone who knows offensive line play knows that it's obviously harder to uh, to pass protect than the run block. But nevertheless, commit to the run. Commit to the run with Joe Mixon. Eat clock. See if you can't build a lead. Make Jacoby Brissett beat you with his arm. Didn't have to. You look at the Browns, on the other hand, who are we obviously know are a, a heavy run team because they have the likes of Nick Chubb and a tremendous offensive line. Ran for a buck 72. Nick Chubb, by the way, had 23 carries, had a couple touchdowns, over 100 yards. That's that's what it came down to, is the fact that, I mean, Joe Burrow wasn't bad. He wasn't great. I mean, he had a QBR of 17. He wasn't great. 
But relying on your running game, setting up a, a second and short, third and short, or even second and third and manageable. Right? They had obviously Burrow had the, the, the turnover earlier, but Cincinnati gets two turnovers in that first half. One off of a monster hit on Jacoby Brissett. I uh, forgot to pick that off. I don't think it was it was a Von Bell. I, I forgot who it was who intercepted that pass for 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 Cincinnati. But it was it was Kevin Stefanski who I've always found. I think Kevin Stefanski is an excellent head coach. I really do. Heck, he just won Coach of the Year two years ago. <laughs> that was a coaching masterclass against the likes of Zach Taylor. Wow, that was bad. So I'm listen. I said Cincinnati would not win their division. I picked Baltimore to win the AFC North, Cincinnati to get to the playoffs, and then lose in the first round. But if this continues, if and you look at Cincinnati's schedule moving forward, it's not exactly a cupcake, folks. If you look at Cincinnati's schedule moving forward, okay, they got Carolina this week, they should win that. Go to Pittsburgh. Now, Cincinnati's better than Pittsburgh, but that is Mike Tomlin. Okay, They go to Tennessee, Mike Vrabel. They got a home game against the Chiefs, Andy Reid. They got a home game against the Browns, Kevin Stefanski. Road game at Tampa Bay, Todd Bowles. Road game at New England, Bill Belichick. Home game, Sean McDermott. And then the last game of the year is against the Ravens, which is obviously John Harbaugh. That could decide the division. Man, it feels like the Bengals are at a coaching mismatch in almost all of those games. And that can cost you in the end. So this is something that I want to just go and put this out there. This could be something that the Bengals need to be worried about moving forward. Is if they're not committed to the run with Jamar Chase out, and if they're having to play from behind constantly, because listen, they made that big comeback against Kansas City. That felt to more like me. If you watched that game, Mahomes was careless with the football, right? The play calling was suspect, uh, especially late in the first half for, for Kansas City. That felt like it was more Kansas City letting Cincinnati back in the game as opposed to Cincinnati coming back to win the game, which they did. Give them props. But it felt like it was more what Kansas City didn't do as opposed to what Cincinnati did do. And so when you have a situation where you're going to be down in some of these games. You've got the quarterbacks come back. Nobody's doubting Joe Burrow. But every great quarterback, I don't care who you are, needs at least a little bit of support from the run game. At least a little bit. And Joe Burrow did not get an ounce on Monday night. So, listen, Cincinnati should get right, get back to a winning record on Sunday. If they face Carolina, Carolina's kind of, they're, they're down in the dumps after how that, that Atlanta game turned out uh, there, there in the end. But Cincinnati should win that game. And let me, what's, what's the line for that? Uh, Bengals are favored minus seven. Okay, so that, that feels about right. They should be favored to beat Carolina. But this feels once again like Zach Taylor was out-schemed. Like he, I mean, he, he was against Mike McCarthy in week two. He was, I mean, John Harbaugh coaching clinic, despite the fact Lamar Jackson did not play well in that game. John Harbaugh constantly putting his, in his guys in position to succeed. Zach Taylor did not in that game. I think it was week five, if I'm not mistaken. So watch out for this moving forward. <clears throat> if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, that's all I'll say. But we do have a game tonight. Week nine begins in the NFL. We got, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, the, the, the irony of it, by the way, what a World Series we got going on. You got the, I said Houston would take two of three in Philadelphia. They take two of the three games. Well, Philadelphia, you know, on the backs of multiple home runs, I think it was five home runs on the night in game three against the Astros, won convincingly 7 nothing. And they had last night where the Astros <clears throat> pitched the first combined no-hitter in World Series history. Four pitchers combined to do it. Props to all of them. Astros won that game five to nothing. And so now we got the pivotal game five. You know, we know in the NBA, winner of game five in a 2-2 series wins the series like 80-something percent of the time. I don't know what the percentage is for baseball, but it's got to be right in that ballpark. So this is it's the big one tonight. Verlander's on the mound for uh, for the Astros. Let's see who's on the mound for Philadelphia. Got Verlander for Houston. Syndergaard on the mound for, for Philadelphia. Uh... Man, uh, Verlander scares me in the postseason. Well, sorry, Verlander scares me in the World Series more specifically. But Houston did build a five nothing lead in Game One. They should be up three games to one in this series. This should be a a do or die game for Philadelphia. It's not. That's how it goes sometimes in baseball. Give me the Astros tonight. 
I said Astros would take – it would be a split through the first two games. That's exactly what happened. Astros would take two of the next three. We'll see if that happens tonight. Nobody's going to believe – Nobody. everybody's going to count Philadelphia out in game six on the road in Houston. I think Philly wins game six. Houston wins the World Series in game seven. That was what I predicted before the series started, and I'm still holding tight. It's Kyle Tucker winning the World Series MVP. I'm still holding tight to that. But uh, anyways, the two World Series cities, ironically, right in the middle of the biggest game of the World Series, Game 5, play tonight. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Houston Texans. So, you're looking at this game tonight. Philadelphia is favored at minus 13 and a half. So, obviously, Vegas loves the Eagles in this situation. Can't say I blame. Last undefeated team left. Uh, just winning games convincing. Beat Pittsburgh to a pulp last week. Just, just smoked them. Now, obviously, you have the, the matchup advantage. The fact you have the likes of Jalen Hurts as opposed to Kenny Pickett. The fact that I think the receiving cores are actually pretty even. I think Pittsburgh's is very good. They just don't have the quarterback as of right now to get them the football to make plays. Uh, really, And they don't have the offensive line to give the quarterback time to get them the football to make plays. Um, but for Philadelphia right now, they're playing tremendous complimentary football. They're getting getting turnovers defensively. They lead the NFL in takeaways. Darius Slay has been unbelievable. James Bradbury, one of the better free agent pickups from this offseason, has been excellent. Uh, Philadelphia has gotten pressure on the quarterback, and that's, to me, where, where the game is won. I don't think he, uh, Philadelphia is going to necessarily put on like a like a fireworks show on Houston. I don't think it's going to be like a 40-something to, to 12 or something like that. But I do look at it and I say, okay, Houston got one of the worst offensive lines in football. This feels like a game Houston's defense keeps them in it for a while. Like, keep in mind, Malik Willis for the Titans on Sunday completed six passes. Okay, so, you know, part of that was because they were committed to the run with Derrick Henry. But the past game hasn't killed Houston. It's been the running game. Well, that's not very good because Jalen Hurts can run the football. You have their numerous other running backs that can, uh, Miles Sanders, everybody can run it right down the throat of that of that Houston defense. That, to me, is where the game is decided. This feels like a, a time of possession uh, battle that I think the Eagles will win, and I think that they will win this game. I don't have them covering the spread. 13 and a half feels like a lot. I've got them winning by 13, so just a little short. But I think the Eagles win this game 28 to 15 over the Houston Texans to begin week eight. And I'm coming off of a great uh, week, uh, I'm sorry, to, to kick off week nine, to kick off week nine, Houston, which by the way, we're at the half point in the NFL season. How crazy is that? But coming off of a great predicting weekend, best of the season, 12 and three. If the Bengals hadn't laid an egg, I'd have had only two losses, but 12 and three week eight feel great. Obviously, why would I not feel confident in the Eagles beating the Houston Texans? Come on. But Eagles will beat the Texas 28 to 15. And that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to check out Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the Carving It Up YouTube channel where you're watching the show right now if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, be sure to catch uh, Carving It Up also on the Grid Network. Carving It Up is presented by the Grid, as you see in the upper right corner here on the stream. Subscribe to the Grid Podcast Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube. You can also listen to my show, to the podcast episodes on my show, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. on the Grid Network. So be sure to check that out. Check out the other creators of the Grid. You got uh, my man uh, Patrick Brown with Chaotic Sports Podcast. Great show, by the way, this weekend. Loved it. Hoping to do an IG Live, by the way, with Patrick on Sunday. So stay tuned for that. You've got Barry Grant Jr., all even podcast. You've got Alfred Parsar Jr., the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast. Uh, his Jets coming off a tough loss in New England. We'll see if they can bounce back this week. Uh, I think they play Buffalo, so that's going to be a tough challenge. Uh, but be sure to check that out. Check out Clutch Sports Talk. My man Ryan Flowers. Love that show, especially on Sundays. Uh, he'll, he'll give you all the advice you need, especially uh, gambling advice, whatever the lines are, and then just the, the overall feel of what the NFL is right at this particular moment in time in week nine. Of the NFL season. Can't believe we're we're this far in. We're halfway through the season. It has flown by. And tomorrow we'll give you my week nine NFL picks. My Sunday picks at least. I'll save the Monday night game for Monday as I always do. Including my upset of the week. If I were a betting man. And the new, seg new segment from this season. Bryson's Bleak Bet. I also react to last night's game. And at the end of the show. I will predict the biggest game. Of the college football season. My. Number one. University of Tennessee Volunteers. Taking on the number three, the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. I will predict that game at the end of the show tomorrow. So, 
Hope everybody has a great evening. Continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Let's go Strode. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.